0: Right, so this sermon series is going to be a little different. You know, normally sermons are a monologue from one person on the stage, but during the Alpha series, you're going to hear from a lot of different voices as we go through the sermon together, both on video and even live and in person. So, hopefully, this will be a great new experience for you to hear from different voices and hopefully, different voices connect with different people, and it should be outstanding. Can we pray together before we start? Let's get let's pray. Lord Jesus. Uh, We launch into this uh, next new year, Lord, hoping to connect with you in new ways, in deeper ways, hoping that, Lord Jesus, you will introduce yourself to us in real and new ways, that we would experience you, Lord, hear your voice, understand what you asked us to do, and learn to follow you completely. We pray that as we speak this morning and think about these things from your word, that your Holy Spirit would translate for us as we go through this together. In your name, Jesus, we pray all these things. Amen. You know, we plan these sermon series months in advance. This question this morning, is there more to life than this? Sometimes things happen in the world that actually put a big spotlight on what you're going to talk about on Sunday. Last Monday night, if you were there watching the NFL football game, last Monday, and of course, most of you don't know this, maybe, but I'm a fantasy football player, so I happen to know that on this particular Monday night game, fantasy football championships all over the country are at stake. People are watching their players with great passion to see who's going to get the right points to win the fantasy football Super Bowl, which is the ultimate prize. So everyone's watching the TV, and suddenly, in the middle of the second quarter, a tackle goes down, and a man collapses. DeMar Hamlin collapses in the field, and suddenly a whole stadium of 70,000 people is hushed silence for not just a little while, but for a long while. And everyone in the country, even on the fantasy football stations, is asking the question, huh, is there more to life than fantasy football? Is there more to life than the NFL? Is there more to life than this? And that question's been going on all week. We've even seen a person, a host of ESPN, pray live on national television where it was basically forbidden to pray right? it was like forbidden to pray prayer was no good and he's like we talk about praying we should pray and he just prays so this week we've got a great picture to start our week about this question everyone in the country is asking is there more to life than this now fortunately if you heard the news Demar Hamlin is okay seems to be doing really well so we're going to start our journey this morning check out this start to the video here we go
1: Hi, I'm Nikki. Welcome to Alpha. Life is busy. Every day we ask so many questions. What should I wear? What's the weather going to be like? What's happening today? How am I going to fit everything in? But then there are those bigger questions. Like, why am I here? Where am I headed? Is this it? Is there more to life than this? These are life's big questions.
0: But there's rarely enough time to think them through properly. So Nikki Gumbel is right. Life raises a lot of questions in most of us. We don't have the time or the energy to pause and actually think about them or ponder them. In fact, most of us are moving so fast that we never even get a chance to sit down and think about these big questions about life. Maybe some of us think if we just keep moving, the questions will just go away. Some of us are afraid to even admit that we have questions. Somehow admitting that you have a question is like a sign of weakness, or worse yet, a sign that you have doubts in your faith. So we just keep our questions to ourselves. We don't spill them out, we don't talk about them. Where do you go? When you have a big question about life, where do you go? Where do you turn? To a friend? To a family member? To a self help book? To a horoscope? To some talk show host on TV? To your Bible? Where do you go when you're trying to figure out what life is all about? There's lots of people claiming to have answers to the biggest questions of life, and they're just more than willing to tell you the answer that they have. I want to say it out loud today in church. God is okay with your questions. Church is okay with your questions. In fact, I think God is waiting for you to ask your questions so he can speak his truth into your life. He's dying for you to ask a question and then simply listen for the answer. In my previous job, I worked for an organization called Q Place. It actually meant question place. We helped churches form question places where people could deal with life's biggest questions. And we opened every group the same way with this question. If you believed there was a God and you could ask him one question and you thought he would answer you, what would you ask him? And people had all kinds of responses to these questions. Well, the Alpha people, they went on the street with their video crews and they asked people that same question. Check it out.
1: Whoa, that's a big one. If there really is a God, and I was able to ask one question, why I wasn't dunking when I was 10 years old. That's a good one.
0: What's next? That would be my question. I'd probably ask him to, um, to win the numbers on the lottery number problem. He's like a What's
2: heaven like?
0: I'd probably ask him what is he scared of. I don't think I would ask God a question because I don't want to
2: know. What happens when I die? Can I come back? Why couldn't my parents stay together when I was a kid?
0: How did I on this path that I'm on.
2: What their plan was for all this, and whether or not we, uh, we lived up to it. Am I doing this right? How'd I do?
1: How'd I do? <laughs> That's what I'd ask. How'd I do? If what I'm doing is kind of like aligned with my purpose in life. I would ask God, are we cool?
0: I guess the ultimate question would be
2: why? Why this and not nothing? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why the struggle? I would ask him why he made life so hard sometimes.
0: I love that last girl. Why he made life so hard sometimes. She's almost emotional when she's answering the question. So what question would you have for God? If you could ask him one question and you thought he would answer you, what would you ask him? I want to give you a chance right now to use your cell phone in church, okay? Get your cell phone out. There's a text number on the board. Type us your question while you listen. What's one question? And just give us one question. Don't give us 10. We can't handle 10. It'll, it'll be anonymous. I'm not going to put your name up there in lights or anything. So just type us your question. What questions do you have for God this morning as you're sitting here in church in the beginning of 2023? So Nikki Gumbel is the host of the Alpha Series. He was the vicar at Holy Brompton Trinity Church in England for years. In fact, he started in 1990, and he found the Alpha Series was being used as a discipleship tool in his church for Christians. And the church was dying, going down slow and to the right, aging out and literally following the path of all English churches, kind of going down and attendance was weeding away. And Nicky went to his head vicar and said, you know, we could use this, Alpha thing, to reach out to people out in the world who have questions, big questions, and we could actually engage them in these conversations. We should try this. Well, that turned out to be a Holy Spirit-inspired thought? Because now millions of people across the world have come to know Jesus through the Alpha series. Amazing. So Nicky Gumbel is going to be our host, and he's going to start out telling you a little bit of his story in this next segment.
1: For much of my life, I was not remotely interested in Christianity. In fact, I don't think I'd ever come to something like Alpha. I was not brought up as a Christian. My father was a secular Jew. He was an agnostic. And my mother didn't go to church. uh, And I had no interest at all in Christianity. First of all, I just thought it was so boring. Everything to me about church, Christianity, religion was just dull and dreary. And it kind of made me feel a little bit guilty. I didn't know why, but I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I also thought it was untrue. I I thought I'd sort of thought it through, and uh, i come up with these intellectual objections, and I call myself, very pretentiously, I call myself a logical determinist. And I quite enjoyed arguing with people who call themselves Christians. And at university, I had a bit of a reputation for being an argumentative atheist. And I also thought it was irrelevant to my life. I couldn't see how someone who'd lived 2,000 years ago, 2,000 miles away, could have any relevance to my life today. It just seemed outdated and irrelevant. But at the same time, looking back now, I would say something was missing. I say that because I don't think I was living in the moment. I was always looking forward to the next thing in life. So when I was at school, I was thinking... When I finish my exams, maybe that will be when I'm gonna really start to enjoy life. I finished my exams and then after about three weeks I started to think there's gotta be more to life than this. And I thought, well, maybe when I've left school, that will be what life's all about. And then I left school and after about three weeks I started to think, there's gotta be more to life than this. I thought, well, maybe the answer is to get a girlfriend. And somehow, I don't know how I managed it, but I managed to find a girlfriend. Okay, after about three weeks, I started to think, there's gotta be more to life than this. And basically, there was something missing. I was longing for more.
0: The actor Jim Carrey once said, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so they would know that's not the answer. Russell Brand, the actor, said this, Drugs and alcohol are not my problem. Reality is my problem. Drugs and alcohol are my solution to fill up a hole inside me. The late Freddie Mercury, used to be the lead singer in the rock band Queen, said this, you can have everything in the world and still be the loneliest man. And that's the most bitter type of loneliness. Success has brought me world idolization and millions of pounds, but it's prevented me from having the one thing we all need, a loving, ongoing relationship. Tom Brady, being interviewed after his third Super Bowl win, said this, Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? Maybe a lot of people would say, I've made it. I've reached my goal, my dream. My life is complete. Me? I thank God there's got to be more than this. This can't be what's all cracked up to be. What else is there for me? The interviewer says to him, so Tom, what's the answer? Brady says, I wish I knew. The book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible is a book full of questions. It's Solomon's search for the meaning of life. For the answer to this question, is there more to life than this? He explores all kinds of things. He starts by uh, pursuing wisdom, trying to get as smart as he can. And he's like, this isn't it. And then he takes up pleasure and wine and tries to pursue pleasure, and that doesn't really work. And then he takes on great projects and builds all kinds of big things, and that doesn't really work. And then he, then he ac- accumulates wealth, gold and silver, and even a harem. And he concludes, this isn't it. There's got to be more than this in life. And then he comes to this conclusion, Ecclesiastes 2, verse 11. When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. As Solomon continues pondering what life is all about, he writes this in the next chapter of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, verse 11. God has made everything beautiful in its time. He also has set eternity in the hearts of people. So think about this. Ultimately, our hunger for meaning comes because God has placed inside each one of us this sense of the eternal, the everlasting. The sense of what it means to be connected to a creator that is above and beyond us. To be connected to a father who is eternal and immense and huge. And deep inside of every human, there's this deep hunger to to find that. And So all these people that are searching for more to life... They're looking for this connection that's going to fill that hole in them. It's what leads to all kinds of different spiritualities and philosophies and all kinds of nonsense we hear in the world. People are looking. They're searching. They're longing to find that thing that's going to fill the hole inside them. It just can't be filled by anything else but a connection with their God. Jesus said it this way. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and the person who believes in me will never be thirsty. So think about that. Jesus is offering himself as the solution to the deep hunger that every human being feels inside. The deep thirst we have for a connection with the eternal. He's saying, if you want to get this hole filled, come to me. He doesn't say, come to a moral philosophy, or come to a theology, or come to a church, or come to a denomination, or come to a, a catechism lesson. No, come to me. Only I can fill that place inside that God is designed to be connected to the eternal. God, Father of the universe. So when you do that, it fills up the hole inside you. It helps you find that there's way more to life than this. Now, I've been working with a team of people, about 10 of us, working on the Alpha Project here at church since 2020, fall of 2020. Right in the middle of the pandemic, we held live Alpha in the garden room. No one ever got sick that I know of. Uh, We we went all the way through the pandemic. And one of my team members is Kim Kolbenhoven. So Kim's going to come up here right now. And she's going to share with you how she found this Jesus, how she took him in, how she realized there was more to life than this. Welcome, Kim. These people are not really, they're not angry. They just look angry. But they're, they're really, I, I've come to know they're just not, they're, just they're smiling inside.
2: Right. Good go. morning. Um, as I was growing up, I always knew there was more to life, something bigger than myself. My mom had taught me about God and prayer, but my family didn't go to church. And reading the Bible definitely didn't appeal to me. I loved God and that was enough. I didn't need that religious stuff to be close to him. Approaching my relationship with God in this way left a void in my heart. I had a wonderful life, but no matter how well things were going, there was always this piece of me that was restless and melancholy. To solve this problem, I tried it all. Friends advice, exercise, self-help books, of course, or maybe I needed a boyfriend. Similar to Nikki Gumbel's experience, nothing satisfied. And if it did, the satisfaction didn't last long. Fast forward to my early 20s when I met my husband, Paul. He helped fold me into this beautiful Christian community. I started to read the Bible and also began going to Alpha. At the very first meeting during the opening prayer, I encountered the Holy Spirit in a powerful way, unlike anything I've ever experienced before. In that moment, he made me into a new creation, and he healed that restless, melancholy feeling immediately. There were no extremes of emotions, just stillness and his peace resting on me. After that meeting, I was on fire for the Lord. I had joy I couldn't contain, and it lasted for weeks. I even had co workers asking me what happened. All those wandering years, I had looked to the world to fix my wrestling heart, but the true answer to my soul searching was Jesus. Only he can fulfill our deepest and true need in this life. There are still times I feel the temptation to look to this world for fulfillment and satisfaction. The good news is I now have the Holy Spirit in me, drawing me back to God when I begin to go astray. There is one more thing I wanna share about that Holy Spirit encounter all those years ago. In addition to feeling peace, I also experienced this profound sense that he was with me that whole time, all those wandering years. He was waiting for me to surrender, and when I finally did, he swooped right in. Looking back now, I can see I caused my own restless heart because I didn't want to live life God's way. I wanted to do it my way. Even though I was faithless, he was still faithful. God says of himself in Exodus 34, 6, that he is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. My life is a testimony to how true this is. Praise God.
0: Amazing. Amazing.
2: Hey, so was this
0: a good experience to have to write this out and put it together?
2: Yes, I've been lazy because people have told me before, you need to write your testimony out. And I'm like, eh, I know my testimony. But uh, meditating on what God has done in my life has been so awesome and built a new So you would and fire tell
0: these people them. they should do the same thing? I
2: would definitely challenge All these you guys angry to people, they try. should get out a, a
0: piece of paper. <laughs> you guys and write are
2: smiling. You're fine.
0: Right. <laughs> Thanks, Kim. Thanks. Now, in spite of all this evidence, in spite of the stories about people that really know Jesus, there are still people that think this is a bunch of baloney. They think it's, they're skeptical. They're like, this is, really? Is this the answer? I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. Prove it to me. Prove it to me. Give me some evidence. Tell me there's another way. Nikki does some reflecting on some of this kind of stuff that goes on.
1: Well, it's great for you. You found meaning and purpose in your life, but it's not for me. But when you think about it, that's not actually a logical position, because if Christianity is true, it's of vital importance to every one of us. And if it's not true, it's not great for us, because it means we're deluded. C.S. Lewis was one of the great intellectual giants of the 20th century, probably best known as the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. He said this, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. I come from a family of lawyers, so naturally I wanted to look at the original documents and sources. I never really looked at the evidence before, and I was astonished at how much evidence there is for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. For me, it was through reading these documents that we find in the New Testament that I came to the conclusion it's true. One of the last cases I did as a lawyer was in the Court of Appeal in front of Lord Denning, an absolutely brilliant mind, perhaps the greatest judge of the 20th century. He said on one occasion that his Bible was his most tattered book in his library. He'd examined the evidence really carefully, and he came to the conclusion, it's true. One former professor of history at Oxford University described the resurrection as the best attested fact in history. I hadn't realized how many of the pioneers of modern science were believers. Descartes, Newton, Kepler, Galileo, Locke, Copernicus,
0: Faraday, Kelvin, Pasta. And Francis Collins, who is one of the greatest scientists of our day, was in charge of the Human Genome Project, mapping the three billion letters in the Human Genetic DNA Code. He said this when he found this code and mapped it all out. It is humbling for me and awe-inspiring to realize that we have caught the first glimpse of our own instruction book, previously known only to God. Listen to Francis Collins as he describes how he encountered Jesus Christ.
3: Well, in the home where I grew up,
4: Uh, Faith was not something that was talked about very much. Uh, My father was a professor of drama, my mother a playwright. Uh, When I went to college and those discussions in the dorm late at night about religion uh, began to occur, I had no particular reason to attach value uh, to a faith system. It had never been something I was familiar with or had internalized at all. And I assumed that any religious feelings that anyone held must be on the basis of some emotional experience, and I didn't trust those, or on the basis of some childhood indoctrination, uh, which I felt I was fortunate to have missed. I loved the experience of learning about the human body and all of the components of that, and I particularly loved being introduced to genetics. But then I ended up in the medical school curriculum sitting at the bedside of patients with diseases. This was no longer an abstract study of molecules and organ systems. These were real people. And one afternoon, one of my patients, a wonderful elderly woman, much like a grandmother, uh, who had very bad heart disease. Uh, She had a particularly bad episode of chest pain uh, while I was with her. She got through it, and at the end of that, explained to me how her faith was the thing that helped her in that situation. She realized that the doctors around her weren't really giving her that much help, but her faith was. And after she finished her own very personal description uh, of that faith, she turned to me, and I had been silent, and she looked at me quizzically, and she said, What do you believe, doctor? And ultimately, I had to admit to myself that her question had made me realize that I had arrived at an answer to the most important issue that we humans ever deal with. Is there a God? And I had arrived there without ever really looking at the evidence. And I was supposed to be a scientist. If there's one thing scientists claim they do, is to arrive at conclusions based upon evidence. And I hadn't taken the trouble to do that. I was greatly assisted uh, by a pastor who lived down the road who I went and asked about all this and who gave me a copy of C.S. Lewis's wonderful book, Mere Christianity. Because here was an Oxford scholar, a prodigiously developed intellect, who had traveled the same path. Within those pages, I realized for the first time that one can come to belief on a rational basis and that in fact, given the many pointers that one sees around oneself in terms of the universe and it having a beginning and its fine-tuning in terms of the way in which all those constants that determine the behavior of matter and energy seem to have been set just in a certain very precise range to make life possible, Uh, and many other things, including my beloved mathematics and why they actually work anyway to describe the universe, something that makes you think the creator must have been a mathematician. That brought me then to the person of Jesus Christ. As a person who was historically extremely well documented, that was news to me. I thought Christ was as much myth as history, and I realized after reading more about it, this was a historical figure upon which we have a great deal of evidence for his existence and his teachings, and even his rising from the dead in a literal way. That day at uh, my patient's bedside started a journey for me, a journey that I was reluctant uh, to begin, but I felt I needed to, a journey that I thought would result in strengthening my atheism, but to my surprise, resulted in my conversion.
0: In John 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them that he won't be with them much longer. I would have loved to be there to see the look on their faces when he said this. I'm sure it was like, what are you talking about? You're not going to be with us much longer. And he can tell they're troubled by the conversation, so he launches into this little speech to them. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, when Jesus starts talking like this, he's speaking marriage language to these guys. Seriously. Because back in the day, two fathers would get across the table with their bride, potential bride and groom, and they would negotiate a marriage contract. And then the father of the groom would take his son home to build a room onto his family home to prepare a place for him and his bride. right? And then when that room was ready, the father would say, okay, now we can go. And they'd go get married and they'd get, have this, this wedding. Jesus is telling his disciples... I want to be married to you. I'm going to make this place for you so that when I come back to get you, this place will be waiting for you to live with me. I'm going to live with you. We're going to live together. We're going to be married. This is the kind of relationship that I want to have with you. This marriage, intimate relationship. This intimate connection. Now, I love Thomas. Thomas gets kind of a bad rap. He's called Thomas the Doubter, Doubting Thomas. He's really Thomas the Honest Guy. Really? Seriously. Thomas actually blurts out questions that everybody else is thinking in their head and doesn't have the courage to blurt out. Seriously. So in this case, he hears this whole thing and he says this to Jesus. No, we don't know. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? (laughs) I love that. I think that would have been me in in the room. Like, what? What are you talking about? His honest question kind of is the question, I think, that hangs in the air for most of the human race. Well, it's great that this Jesus is offering himself and that this is the way to eternal whatever and this mortal life, but how do we get there? How do we find it? What are we supposed to do? How do we make it? And Jesus doesn't leave Thomas hanging. He says this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So again, Jesus points to himself. He doesn't say, learn the Bible, take more Bible classes, learn some moral laws and rules and try to live them out, I don't know, try to be a good person. No. I'm the way. I'm the truth. Come get connected to me. You know, you can read someone's biography and you can know their story, the facts about their life. You can learn all kinds of things about them. But do you really know them? No, you only know someone when you actually experience a connection, a relationship with them. When you can hear their voice and touch them, and connect with them in a real way. The Hebrews talk about faith this way. You know, we Western people think of faith as like up here in our heads. It's something we believe here, the facts, the evidence. But the Hebrews said, no, you can't have faith until it moves from your head to your heart. When it moves from your head to your heart, when it moves from something you just think about to a personal experience, now you have real faith. So my final question for you this morning is this. Have you, can you tell me about your own personal encounter with Jesus? Because he wasn't just alive 2,000 years ago walking on earth for three years. My Bible says he's alive right now at the right hand of God, the Lord of heaven and earth. He's just as alive today and just as ready to speak into your life and to meet you. Have you encountered him? Have you met him? Have you heard from him? Now, everyone's journey is different. We've told you three different stories already this morning of different journeys to get to Jesus. We all have different journeys, but it's important to know, not just up here, but to know from experience that you have been with this Jesus. You can tell someone if they ask you, this has been my experience with Jesus. One final story this morning. Adventurer Bear Grylls tells you about his faith story.
3: I think for so many years, you know, I always just strived to be strong in myself. And it was as if all I needed was me and my buddies and, you know, we'd be like invincible. But the truth is, none of us are. And I don't want to do this thing called life, I don't want to do it on my own. And it kind of feels like my longing for this, this light inside is now stronger than my fear of what others might think. And people often ask, well, doesn't that make uh, faith like a crutch? And, you know, well, maybe, but, you know, what does a crutch do? Uh, A crutch helps you stand, and it makes you stronger. And in that case, you know, sure, I need a bit of that. But especially when it's so much more than that, when this faith inside is also also like a backbone, uh, helping me stand tall and helping me be strong when I'm really up against it, facing those odds, whether it's on a mountain or stuck in some jungle, or just dealing with the storms, you know, with the storms of life. Uh, Sure, I need it, you know, I I need that. Uh, But at heart, my Christian faith says that I am, that I'm known, that I'm known to Christ. Uh, Bought at a price, uh, blessed with light, Uh, faith says that we're loved regardless of our mess, uh, regardless of how many times we fall down, and that Jesus somehow picks me up. And sure, you know, I'll reach out to that. Why
1: why wouldn't I? I used to think Christianity was boring, untrue, and irrelevant. But when I read about Jesus, I realized he was anything but. Jesus said he's the way to God. He's the one who brings meaning and purpose to your life. He said he's the truth that he's the life, that true fulfillment is found in a relationship with God through him.
0: So here's a couple challenges for you. In your bulletin, your worship guide today, there's some questions on the front. We want everyone to be part of the conversation. This is a great chance if you have children at your family dinner table, take out these questions and talk about them. Parents, how many of you have shared your personal connection with jesus with your kids how many of your kids know how you personally experience jesus in your own life they say that if a kid comes to jesus the most important factor is knowing that jesus is real to their parents so if you haven't shared your personal testimony with your kids do it, it doesn't have to be like you were in the gutter and you came out it's okay whatever your story is right jesus is writing your story but it's great to share it so practice it Take those questions into your workplace with your friends, with your neighbors. Have a conversation this week. Ask some questions of some other people, right? My final question this morning, is there more to church than this? There is. Way more to church than this. This is amazing. Worship's amazing. Love coming every week. Love talking. But guess what? You are the church when you walk out of here. And there's way more to church than this. There's introducing people. There's showing them the way to answer the question, is there more to life than this? Jesus wants to use you to answer that question in someone's life out there. Will you do it? All right, let's pray, let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for really your word and how it the people there ask the same questions we're asking. Is this it, Lord? How do we find the way? So Lord, help us not to feel badly about our questions. Lord, help us to help each other in our questions, to walk alongside of each other, to walk alongside others that we meet in the world who have these questions and don't have a way to get them answered. And Lord Jesus, I pray that you would introduce yourself in new ways to us this week, that we would get a chance to say yes to you all over again this week. In your name, Jesus, we pray.